Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm pretty sure it's at the Camden Roundhouse. So the Brixton? No, no, Camden Roundhouse. You guys oh, have played the there round- in the past. I love yeah. that fucking place. What you guys played there about maybe six years ago. Yeah, sold it out. It was yeah. fucking yeah. The Ramones, the first place the Ramones ever played. Uh huh. I think that's why we had such a good gig there because right, we right. literally we did like a prayer right before we went on stage and we did it for Joey and Johnny and and all the rest of them. You know what I mean? And it was like the Ramones fucking played here we're going on stage today tonight's for the Ramones you know what I mean I remember that night well it was an incredible gig it was well we I just remember having a fucking blast and you know London can be hit or miss for us you know what I mean and in the last few times it's been awesome you know what I mean but there's been times where it's you know what I mean for whatever reason and would you stipulate as to why would you you know looking is it just that kind of like same thing as like Hollywood crowd just arms folded a bit too cool yeah I think sometimes it can get you know first off I think we were coming over a bit too much and so it was like you know it's the house band and then you know I think also yeah I mean London is like any big city Chicago New York LA even Boston they get music all the fucking time so it's like impress me motherfuckers Yeah, yeah, yeah but I have to say they're it seems like it seems more and more wherever we go that there's a you know it just things get crazy but I'll let you uh, we can get no this is cool man yeah. we're, we're in it oh we're this in is it, it oh, right, right now alright cool cool um, yeah, yeah 
I mean, you guys are a very unique band for me. There's obviously been a hell of a lot of members over the years. And it doesn't seem to me to be that even like the doors are closed once someone leaves. No. And it seems to be bigger than perhaps the sum of its parts. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, you know, I think I think there's one I think there's one guy in the band that if he left it wouldn't be the dropkick Murphys anymore. And we all know that that's me. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. It's obviously Ken Casey, um, you know, who's the founding member of the band. He's the boss. He's, uh, you know... Um, it's he, crazy for you, though, because you've obviously been the singer for, what, 18, 18 years? 18 years. But you're still a new guy. It's yeah, like, well, that's the thing. Was, like, when did know, that stop being the case? Did you feel like you reached a point well, this is, a few years in? Well, where here's the like, thing. Here's the thing. Um, when I joined the band in May 7th of 1998, I had been in a street rock and roll band called The Bruises for 10 years before. The Dropkick Murphys used to open up for us. You know what I mean? So I knew those guys. Yep. Um, when Mike left the band... I didn't know what the hell they were going to do. At the same time, I'd come to the end of the road with the bruisers. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like it was going. I'd, I'd gone through 17 lineup changes. Wow, and, even more um, than the dropkicks, yeah. Ten, in 10 years, <laughs> yeah, in 10 years, 17 lineup changes. And, you know, guys that... Anyways, it, was, it, it wasn't working out. So um, I felt like, you know, my wife and I had been married at that point um, for 10 years. And I wanted to have... We wanted to have children. We wanted to... We wanted to, uh, you know, we were, you wanted to be a provider, right? I wanted to be a provider, and I and my wife was supporting me and had supported me for the first, you know, eleven, you know, eleven years of, uh, you know, I mean, she supported me all through the bruisers, and then and then for the first, you know, whatever, whenever it was that I actually was like, look, I I, I got ten dollars, I made some money, you know what I mean? Like like I mean. I felt like I just don't think I I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't justify leaving for five weeks, having to get another shit job where yeah, I was going to yeah. make minimal wage. There was no future in it. I didn't see a future in it anymore. At the same time, Mike McCogan, um, the original singer of the band, had decided that he did not want to do it anymore, and um, for whatever reason. And um, I knew Ken and I knew Rick um, Barton, the original guitar player, and Matt Kelly. Um, um, the second drummer, um, but you know none of that really matters because to me the, the band that is right now it, we are that band. I mean it's it's James Lynch, it's Tim Brennan, it's Jeff DeRosa, it's obviously Ken Casey, Matt Kelly, and myself. That's the Dropkick Murphys. I cannot see any one of the six of us leaving now and having the band still. That I have to. That I will say. Really, but I don't think any of us are going anywhere. You know what I mean? And and uh, you know especially with this this new record, I feel like we solidified that lineup. And you know it's been this lineup. It's Excuse me. It's been this lineup for a long time now. Um, you know, I mean, Tim's, you know, the new guy, um, Jeff DeRosa, has been with the band eight years. You know what I mean? I mean, there's bands that don't last eight months. You know what I mean? I mean Tim's been with the band for 13 years. You know what I mean? James has been with the band for 16 years. You know what I mean? So I've been with the band for 18 years. Matt's been with the band for 19 years. I mean, it's like, you know, when is it going to, you know, but but to, to, to say, to, to speak to your, to, to answer your freaking question, um, <laughs> When I first joined this band, yeah. there wasn't any fucking social media, okay? Yeah, yeah. There weren't any cell phones even. I mean, they had the antenna cell phone thing came along a little afterwards, but it wasn't like it is now. There weren't there wasn't there wasn't this internet phenomenon. There wasn't this instant you know what I mean? Like, like you know, you walk off stage now and you can see what people thought of your show, which is kind of cool, but sometimes cannot be so cool if, you, if they thought you sucked. But, um, but there wasn't this way of communicating, and so. Where's your uh, viewpoint then on the whole thing, the whole beast? 
there's good things and there's bad things, but we can talk about that in a second. I just want to okay. finish my my thought here on this on this on this um, on this you know new guy old guy thing because what happened was I have I have stacks and stacks of reviews from when I joined the band from Curse of a Fallen Soul to the Oxymoron Split to Gangs All Here and every single review was like, this is what the band should have always sounded like. Al Barr's been, you know, in street rock and roll for 15 years. This isn't a new thing for him, you know. You know, the band was young enough. The, the, the band had been, it only existed for two years, and they'd only toured for one year outside of Boston. So it wasn't until Mike decided to do music again, and then there was social media. And of course, it's always cooler to like the original thing. So it's like, so I think that's what it is, but it's like, you know, I've got no problem with Mike. Mike's a very good friend of mine, you know what I mean? And 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 I totally respect what he does with the Street Dogs. And he's, you know what I mean, he's been nothing but supportive of me even when he didn't want to do music anymore. I remember um, 1998 Warp Tour, we played Northampton, Massachusetts, um, we had traded slots with the Smooth so we could have the main stage that day because we had a side stage and a main stage in Buffalo. And we we're like, how about you guys do main stage and we take the main stage in the Massachusetts show that would be called the Boston show, if you will. And they were like, yeah, no problem. So we did that. And Kevin Lyman from the Warp Tour saw 10,000 kids in front of the stage going crazy for us. It was awesome. And I remember walking through the crowd and all of a sudden there was a hand on my arm and I turned around and it was Mike. And he had watched our set and he said, oh, I just want to say you're doing a great fucking job with the band. And that meant a lot to me. You know what I mean? Um, not because I needed his validation because I had been doing punk rock for 15 years before that. I've been fucking singing in punk bands since I was 15 years old, man. This ain't fucking new to me. So when people were like, did you feel like you had to fill his shoes or anything? I was like, let me tell you something. I kicked the shoes off the stage. It's a different thing. I got nothing to prove to anybody because I've paid my fucking dues. Like, I can tell you about what it was like, when it was like, what it was like, who it was like, who was there. You know, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? I don't need to... I don't need to... Uh, you know, but I used to get really ultra defensive about it at first because it was like people were devaluing what what I was trying to do when really my joining the band was a great thing for me. But if you're a fan of Dropkick Murphys, it was it was and when I say a great thing, I don't mean I'm great. So please don't think I'm trying to boost my ego because I got that thing in check. Believe me, I know I suck. But uh, <laughs> the band was able to continue. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, so. You know, I remember Kenny calling me and being like, dude, um, I know you got the bruisers. And I was like, actually, I'm breaking the bruisers up. He goes, you are? He goes, well, we were, we were just hoping that you might come down and we'd want to hear your voice on some of these songs. We all love your voice. And, you know, you know, we've been, we've been, uh, they were, they, they played, they, they used to, um, they used to practice in this garage in Quincy. And when I got there, you'd have to hit the hit the button, and the you know the door would go up, mm -hmm. and then you walk through, and there was a like a like a room they built inside of there for soundproofing for where the band rehearsed. But they said that it got to the point where they were trying people out, where they would hit the the button, and they would see the guy's shoes, and they would be hitting <laughs> the button for the door to go back down because they're not like, docks. The you're guy's out. Got fucking sandals on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, it was like there was I guess there was one guy who came in. And like was completely just mute, and they were like, uh, "So, do you have a certain song you want to try?" And he was like, uh, well, "I guess Do or Die." And they were like, y "You know, you know the song." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm a real spark plug." 
<laughs> I mean, they thought that someone had sent him in there as a joke because he was just not a spark plug at all. <laughs> our, our, our merch guy, Brian Galvin at the time, he, before I came down, he wanted to try. He was, he, all of a sudden, there, the guys noticed that Brian seems kind of pissed off. And he's like, yeah, well, you guys didn't even fucking consider me. And, and you know, Brian, Brian was, you know, in the early days, he was the, he was the guy who would be at the merch stand and kids would come up and they'd be like, they'd be like, I need a double XL. And he'd look at the kid and goes, you're a medium. And he'd give you a medium. It's like, he's like, he'd be straightening your hat out for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. baggy pants and you're not wearing a big shirt. You're a medium. You're not a double XL <laughs> kid. This isn't a hip hop show. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was Brian. He was, yeah. you know, pure evil tattooed on his neck, nice. you know, not a little bit good, pure yeah. evil. And, uh, I remember we played call the office in Canada and in, 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 uh, in, uh, in, uh, God, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a tiny little club in, 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 in Canada. I can't remember what, what town it is now. It'll come to me. But anyways, I remember the whole night I could see and it was like maybe the third show with the band we were playing we were doing a short tour with the pie tastes and I remember I remember I could see Brian the whole night long and I'm like oh he's seeing us I mean I'm gonna get a good review and I came up to him and I was like how were we man how was it and he smoked chain smoked cigarettes and I just remember folded arms and he just went sucked sucked <laughs> don't hold back tell me what you really think yeah <laughs> that's refreshing though right to but, be around that but but uh, I, you know in all this in all this spaghetti that's coming out of me right now what i'm trying to say is it wasn't until mike what i found out when mike went back into music all of a sudden then it became this seesaw of well i like the mike murphy's well i like the i like the original i want to find the people that say they like the original that actually saw the original because there weren't that many you know what i mean and i'm not taking anything away yeah, from do or die is do or die put this band on the map it's a great record and mike is a great singer i'm completely different than he is you know mike has two vocal cords al has one vocal cord yeah you know what i mean i you know i come from i I come from you know you know street rock and roll you know oi based you know punk rock and um you know mike you know mike got into punk later on you know what i mean there's it's a totally different thing you know what i mean it's it's uh it's not about me and mike you know what i mean and 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 people i think sometimes people try to just start something between us or something it's like people don't realize you know so we we play shows and if they're in town or whatever he comes out we'll do barroom here together on stage we've done that many times you know yeah, what yeah. i mean i mean he's He's a, he's a friend of mine, you know what I mean? And uh, I think it's funny, but it's with social media now, especially it's like, I'll, I'll go through and people will, you know, I'll read comments and stuff and, and people are like, love it, love it, love it. And then people like some, and I'll see the picture of the kid and then, you know, the kid's fucking in high school. And he's like, I miss the days of the old Murphys. And I'm like, are you talking about 18 years ago when you were two and I just started <laughs> in the band or when you were fucking dripping in your fucking dad's ball sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you weren't around. Like, what are you talking about? You missed. That's like me saying I missed the Sex Pistol days. You know what I mean? Like, I was fucking 10. I wasn't you, there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you, 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 you wanted to be there but you weren't there so now you're going to, you know, it's like, it's like trying to put Bon Scott against, you know, Brian Johnson. It's not even like that. I mean, Bon Scott was Bon Scott, you know. Mike Mike did Mike did an awesome job um, when he was the singer, but as I said, you know, the band hadn't really done that much yet. It, it hadn't come to where we are today, and everything that we've been able to accomplish so far has been the lineup that is represented on the stage right now. This isn't because of 
you know, our I feel like our biggest our biggest songs came far after you know far after Do or Die and Gangs All Here and even Sing Loud Sing Proud. You know, and I mean, I feel like. I feel like this record that we just did is our greatest record, you know what I mean? And I know everybody always says that about their new record, but I fucking love this record, man. I really do. And I haven't, usually by this time, I'm sick of our record, you know what I mean? Like, it hasn't even come out yet, but I've heard it so many times and I'm not sick of this at all, you know what I mean? I love this fucking record. It's uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely um, a feather in our cap, I think, and I think the fans are going to like it too, or I hope they do. I think you guys have always bled... 200% of your heart and soul into every album. I don't think you're a band that reaches in the air for topics to sing about and kind of, you know, just goes at a very broad subject and attacks it with a, you know, a half-cocked gun. I think you guys always go all in. And um, this one particularly feels very personal, very um, present. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the themes, the lyrical subjects within the record. Maybe yeah. um, perhaps a song which to you might be a very personal, significant track. Well, I mean, you know... There's just this, this is an incredible opioid and heroin problem in New England right now. And um, we've lost so many friends and family and, and, um, to, to, to drug overdoses. Um, it's just, it's, 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 it's astounding. I mean, it's literally, I mean, I mean since, just since we've been here, um, Kenny's lost another family member um, to an overdose. And it's like, it's we, it is everywhere. In, in America right now, but New England, I mean, the state I live in, New Hampshire, which is an hour, an, an hour north of, of, of Boston, um, I mean, we're number one in the country for overdoses. We have a million, three, 300,000 people. I mean, I mean, so, like, we're talking per capita. Like, I'm saying that, like, literally every single person I know knows somebody who's either overdosed, died, or knows somebody who's overdosed and died, or died, rather. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's... It's just, it's insane. So, you know, I mean, songs like, you know, Dead End Kids, I mean, the reason why we did Walk Alone, You'll Never Walk Alone, um, all these things are to, you know, are, are we're, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about, you know, the, uh, you know, even Paying My Way, you know, we're talking about the redemption of, you know, somebody who was, you know, who fell through the cracks, you know what I mean? I mean, societies, I mean, the drug companies, the big pharma companies, they're stepping over bodies to cash their checks, man. They don't give a fuck, you know what I mean? They're like, you know, they're, they're, they're writing doctors checks to, to push these drugs on their patients. And there's no, you know, you, you, you take a kid in high school who's blown his knee out playing football and you give him, you know, 60 Oxycontin and he's in unbelievable pain, so he's taking it. And then at the end of his cycle, he's like feeling like he still needs it, but he doesn't have another prescription to it. So he goes on the street for it, you know what I mean? And it's fucking 80 to $100 a pill. Well, check it out, man. $15, $20 gets you a bag of dope, you know? And now they're fucking cutting it with fentanyl. Now, fentanyl is what they use in hospitals to put you under during an operation. So um, that is 100 times stronger than heroin. Um, my brother-in-law, two years ago, died from a heroin overdose. Um, my sister was the one who found him. And she didn't even know he was fucking, he was doing it, you know. Um, and when she opened the door and he fell in her arms, the needle was still on the floor. And it was full still. And he literally just hit a tiny little bit in, and the, just that little bit of fentanyl killed him immediately. I mean, I just found out that's what killed Prince. He, he had a Vicodin prescription, and there are people taking 
um, opioids, and they're they're basically pressing them to look like what. So you think you're getting a Percocet or or a Vicodin, say if you're somebody who's just a pill popper like that, and you're oh it's 10, 20, 30 milligrams of this. No, actually it's fentanyl, and boom, he he thought he was taking Vicodin and it killed him. You know, um, it's crazy, man. It's it's really really scary, and uh, so the pain is definitely, you know, that's reflected in the, in, in the, the pain part of the, the title of the album. You know, that's, you know, there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of, of heartache, um, you know, that's touched us all. Um, now... And your community as well, right? And in yeah, a deep, well, that's what, widespread know, way. That's what I mean. It's like, you know, I mean, you take a kid, you take a kid that's, you know, I mean, Dead End Kids is a perfect example. You take someone who's got no hope in their life, you know what I mean? Your parents are sick, of you, 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 leave, you leave home, you got nothing, you, you got no job, you got no future, you don't see that you have any future. And you've got, you got, you got no money, and here's this fucking drug that comes along that makes you feel like fucking, you know, a rock star, that makes you feel like you could fucking do anything. You're not going anywhere, but it makes you feel that way. Now, how are you going to tip the scales so that kid doesn't want to do that with what I just put out for you? So you got nothing in your life. You got, a sh maybe you're working a shit job. Maybe you're living in a, in a town that you know, doesn't even have a public transportation, you know what I mean? It's an old mill town run down, there's nothing going on, you've got nothing. How do you take someone who's done heroin that makes them feel like a rock star and go, no, 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 you shouldn't do heroin, man, because it's going to kill you. You should just live in your shitty town and have your shitty life. It's what I'm trying to say is how yeah, do you, yeah. how do you, the problem, the challenge Get to the root is, of the problem. How do you get yeah. through to people? How do you make them care enough to save their own lives? You know what I mean? I mean, I've got a, I've got a friend who's uh, head of an emergency room. She works the night shift at an emergency room. And she told me literally that she sees the same people coming in every single week and they save their lives. They send them out. And they're back again, overdosed again, you know, and they don't always save them, you know what I mean? And now all the police officers and first responders have Narcan, you know what I mean? They can, sh they can, they can hit you with this, with this Narcan pen and, 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 it, and, it, and it's, and if you're having an overdose, it, it, it will save your life basically, but it also cancels out the effect of the drug. So I had a, I had a friend of mine who's a cop. Tell me the guy the guy came out of his freaking out of dying and started trying to strangle the cop because he was like you just fucked my high up man no actually i just saved your life kid but they don't care i mean that's what this fucking shit does to people you know what i mean like they care more about the high than their own lives it's like zombies but you know a song like dead end kids is talking about how there is a soul and there's a heart in there and you can't just write these people off you know we've got to do something you know what i mean and uh you know, there's got to be hope. So, you know, um, we're, uh, you know, we're hoping to, at the same time that we, you know, having conversations about this, we maybe bring awareness to it, but also living by example, um, showing people that, you know, that you can, you can recover from an addiction and you don't need to fucking, you know, you don't need to die, you know what I mean? And you don't need to uh, you don't need that shit in your life, and and uh, it's really uh, it's really infuriating when I think about our political system back home and how the lobbyists are just able to kind of run roughshod over the politicians, and that there's just nothing you don't see 
anything changing. You know what I mean? You don't see, and if it is changing, it's not changing enough because it's, there isn't enough being done. But anyways, um, I hate to, I hate to go off on that tangent, but it's unfortunate. It's a, it's an epidemic. So it's hard not to talk about it. Well, and as you say, I mean, it's important to address these issues and get that dialogue out there. What's always been fascinating for me, maybe this is an Irish music tradition. It's something that you guys have cultivated and continued is you can sing about quite bleak, stark, depressing often subject matter but do it in a, an uplifting yeah positive kind of a yeah. way do you think that does go back to that yeah no i think yeah i mean i think you know it's you know i mean and obviously yeah. that's where the glory part of the album title yeah no comes exactly well. you know what i mean i mean it's storytelling in the end of the day songwriting is is storytelling but yeah you know you don't necessarily need the backdrop of the story to be as bleak as the words maybe you know what i mean i mean you can have a nice marriage of of something that's not necessarily la 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 happy but uplifting as you said you know yeah. what i mean yeah you know in the marriage of the two i think yeah i mean that does harken back to i think to irish music but also american folk music you know i mean yeah you know so for sure yeah and punk rock and street fucking, rock and roll as you said punk rock for sure man yeah i'm allowed to say that right fucking of course you can say what you want yeah. say whatever you want <laughs> what was it like for you uh when you joined the band getting in the studio and making a record with lars was he someone who you looked up to at that point in time and what do you remember from here's the, the gang's thing. all here, here with lars here, and- yeah here that's just funny this is funny because you know <laughs> i was i was in the band seven days and then i was recording uh curse of a fallen soul and we did that um kenny was at the helm for that one um and then when we got in the studio with um, with with Lars, well, they okay. Let me backtrack a minute. So I joined the band May seventh, nineteen ninety eight. I still had commitments with the Bruisers, um, some live shows that I had to do. One of them being opening for Rancid in Boston, and it was actually the last time that the Bruisers played Boston before we broke up. We've done some reunions since then, but it was the last time that we played Boston. Um, and I remember. Um, I remember that was when I met, that's when I met Lars for the first time. And no, I wasn't a Rancid fan, actually. And right. It wasn't, it wasn't um, that I didn't like or respect Rancid. It was just that they weren't on my radar. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm older than Lars. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm uh, 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 so I, um, and when, and I only say that because it's like, it's like I come from, I come from a time even before that. You know what I mean? It time before that I mean when I met so Dave, you were sick of it all when, in agnostic when, front and yeah when, yeah exactly yeah. when I met when I met Dave Grohl I remember saying I saw Scream and he was like you did I was like 1986 <laughs> he was like I joined in 87 and you know what I mean it was like you know so um you know I'm yeah I mean you know if you're going to use old school you know I got I got underwear older than some of these fucking kids you know uh-huh. what I mean yeah, yeah. And, and 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 so don't you know and that's and it's all about storytelling you know what I mean and 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 I don't you know I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, it's not important who is here first or there, but I just feel like I was lucky to be part of that first wave and get to see, you know, all these amazing bands, you know, that I didn't even think that I would ever, you know, to, I mean, that you know, I never even thought, I mean, punk rock was never supposed to be something that even lasted this long, you know, or became I mean, successful, or right? became successful yeah. or, you know, it was, it was actually Lou Kohler. I mean, you just talked about sick of it all and Lou and Pete and Craig and Armand are very good friends of ours. And I love that band and they just celebrated 30 years and yeah. what a testament to, you know, to music they are, I think. And, uh, and, and boy, I tell you, we love taking them on the road, but then 
every time we do, I always remember the first night I watch them and we have to go on after them. And I go, why did we bring them? <laughs> we have to follow that now. They're that band. And it, I've interviewed Lou a few times and he said that they actually kind of got t- passed over on a lot of tours because bands would go, there's no way we're taking them out. Yeah, no, they'll show us they up. are a very hard band to follow. And, um, and, um, but, but you know what? And, and, but that's good for us. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You know, it's good to, it's good to, to go, okay, we're going to, because it's not about who's better or what, because we're totally different bands anyways, but it's about we, you know, they're bringing this incredible amount of energy. We've got to step up our game and yep. make sure that we are at least matching that, you know what I mean? Or else we're just going to have to, you know, put some Thorazine in their drinks or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, take some Valium, Lou, you know Just slow I mean? down yeah. a bit, guys. Come on. 30 years in. Jeez. And so you guys were obviously with Hellcat and and Tim and, and Lars and that team yeah, for, yeah, they're, they're, for, they're, you know, for a while. I'm talking all over the place. No, no, meeting it's cool. Lars, meeting Lars, your, your, your question. Um, so I remember, I remember Tim and Lars took me out back of the Middle East Club in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and we went in the back alley and they were smoking cigarettes and they both said, we've heard Curse of a Fallen Soul and we love it. And you saved the band. Um, we were very we were very upset because we put a lot into this band. When we signed them, we, you know, Lars flew out and slept on Ken's father-in-law's couch and produced Do or Die and it was, you know, I mean, literally, the the album had been out a few months, and and Mike and Mike had left the band. So, you know, I toured on Do or Die. I was yeah. touring on yeah, Do or yeah. Die. So, I feel like, you know, I feel much a part of that record, even though even though I, you weren't on it, even though it's still sung, in you, I just yeah. sent some backups on it, and I'm yeah. in the Barroom Hero video for yeah. a second. You know right. what I mean? But uh, but yeah. So, I mean, meeting them. You know, I had, I had nothing but respect for Rancid, and I have nothing. And they're one of my favorite bands now today that I listen to, and I listen to them. I listen to them often. Um, so I love Rancid. But so when I say I didn't listen to Rancid, that wasn't a diss at all. That was just because. We As you said have, earlier, we, we it's before social this, media, right? So yeah, we didn't have all these, you know, things. And I was into what I was into. I was a curmudgeon for a while already in 1998. You know, I was like 30 years old, and I'm thinking, "Yep, I'm old now. I'm 30. I'm fucking old." And you know, I don't know. I don't understand these darn kids in there. You know, I remember back in the day when it would be snowing and we'd walk to school in bare feet and, you know, and people would ro- throw rocks at you, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that kind You'd of stuff. you get cold for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so it wasn't that, so when I say that I wasn't listening to Rancid, that wasn't by any means. It was just that I was, that they weren't on my radar yet. And I remember hearing Life Won't Wait. And that was the first, that was my introduction to Rancid because in 1998, Life Won't Wait came out. And when the Bruisers played with Rancid, um, I remember... They did a two and a half hour set. Wow. And they did the entire Life Won't Wait record. And, you know, Vic was on stage playing keyboards from the Slackers, and it was incredible. It was incredible. And I thought, this is a band. Yeah. This is a fucking band. Wow. I can only aspire to be as good as these guys someday. I mean, just amazing, you know. And, um, and I thought, you know, and then they were so gracious when I met them. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, these guys. These guys are punk rockers, but they've sold a million records. These are these guys have these guys have broken the ceiling, you know, a ceiling that no punk rockers ever thought would be would be possible. And they've kept their integrity, and that both those things struck a chord with me, and that's why instantly I had respect for them. Doing the record with Lars was amazing. I mean, he was he was so funny um, 
because our engineer and producer, the guy who was the engineer in the studio, um, Jim Siegel, who, who owned the outpost where we did um, the first few records, he was literally, he was literally like, you know, you could wind him up so easily. Like we would tell him, we were like, we're like, you know, Lars is hypoglycemic. You don't have any fruit here? And he's like, Jesus. And he quickly get in his little shitbox <laughs> car and race to the supermarket. And he got this big bowl of fruit for Lars. Yeah. And there were flies and maggots on that fruit before anybody even looked at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just to, to, to fuck with him. And I remember at one point, his double cassette deck pissed Lars off so bad that he pulled it out of the console, brought it out in the driveway, dumped lighter fluid on it, and lit it on fire. <laughs> he bought him a new one the next yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was, I was like, holy shit, he's lighting Jim's tape deck on fire. You know what I mean? I mean, it was an amazing thing. And, you know, and, and God, man, Lars, I mean, you know, Lars and Rancid, they really, they shepherded this band, you know what I mean, in the beginning days, you know what I mean? We, you know, just as the Boston's did, you know, we, we still to this day, you know, tip our hats to them. We still, I mean, we just saw, I mean, Warrior's Code just went gold um, this past summer and we just played L.A. about a month ago and we, you know, uh, Mr. Brett and, and Tim came down and we, we had a, you know, a ceremony where, you know, we, we, we got our gold records and it was you know, which that's a whole nother mind blowing thing to yeah. think that, you know, that Warriors Cold in, you know, in, in, over the course of 10 years sold 500,000 copies because people might say, well, it took them 10 years. It's like, understand this, people. A record comes out, it sells what it sells, the ground zero of that then dies. Yeah, yeah. And then, so it does what it does and then it's over. Yeah. The fact that I'm the rain man of the band and I'm the numbers guy and I can tell you it sold this many, this many, this many. And I was always watching the numbers, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. I can tell you this. I watched that horse and I went, that horse is going to get there eventually because it did a consistent 400 a week, 400 a week. And then our new records would come out and then I look at it and I go, yep, yeah, the new record is obviously going to do better. But then after a month, Warrior's Code is selling as much as or even more some weeks than the new record. So I was like, Warrior's Code, Warrior's Code is going to. And then all of a sudden, here we are. Ten years later, Warrior's Code is, you know, sold 500,000 copies. And it's like. I mean, that to me, to be able to use the word career attached to, you know, to what I do and to say that we've, you know, we've got a single that's almost double platinum and we've got a gold record and, you know, we've had songs and films and on television and we've toured all over the world. I was going to say, do you think The Departed was a key component of, oh, was, of that? Oh, for sure. I mean, success. Getting, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was, well, it was, it, what it did was, I mean, we were, you know, we were all rightly successful in the punk world, weren't we by then? But we were not on anybody else's radar and then we so the departed really you know just blew the doors off things it was like i mean shipping up to boston almost wasn't on warrior's code you know we almost didn't put it on there because we we're like yeah it's a two-minute song and then we we're like we need another two-minute song <laughs> really like, okay isn't it funny that sometimes you never realize that you're sitting on something that, you, well, that's, that's going to connect with so many people well here's the thing we played it live a handful of times and it was literally like I don't know if you know this saying, a fart in a spacesuit. It was yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. I mean, it went over like that. Yeah, People were just right. like, you know what that's I mean? A, that's, it. that's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah we, we came off stage and we were like, you know what? And and so, so you know, then enter the world of downloads and iTunes and all this stuff. So I get this call. Um, so um, I see this email from the manager. Martin Scorsese is making a movie about Irish Mafia in Boston. And he's thinking about using one of the songs from Warrior's Code. And I'm thinking, that's amazing. It'll never happen, but it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes to fruition. The next thing you know, it's it's in the movie. The movie's been out for a while. So I get this call from Diane, who was our manager at the time. 
um, who moved from Australia to be our manager, and and I still love her to this day, and um, and she was a great she was a great lady, and still is a great lady, and uh, she lives out in L.A. still, and uh, anyways. Uh, so, so she, and she's the reason why I own a house, I think. And, uh, and, 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 and our new manager is the reason why I'm able to keep it. But, um, but, uh, but, uh, um, I just, I just think that, um, I just think that, uh, we had come to this point where, you know, digitally it was like we would sell, you know, 20% was digital, 80% was hard copies. And then with every release, it started to get like the balance started to shift, but kiss me, I'm shit faced had downloaded 10,000 songs. And she's like, this is your most popular song. Is this Kiss Me, I'm a Shit Face song? She's Australian. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so I was like, I was like, I know you hate that song, Diane. And she's like, it's, I can't believe it's your most popular song. You know what I mean? Like, but, uh, but there's no explaining what people are going to like. You yeah. know what I mean? But um, then, you know, The Departed comes out. So that week, I get a call. She goes, all right, hang on. You ready for this? Shipping's just done 1700 this week. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. So the next week she calls, all right, shipping's just done 3400 this week. I'm like, what? She calls the next week, shipping's just done 17,000. I go, what are you, 17,000? Yeah, Al. The next week, shipping's just done 35,000 this week. I'm like, she goes, you realize you're gonna have a gold record? I go, Kenny, she says we're going to have a gold record. He's like, no, no way, no way, no way. No, that never happened, never happened. <laughs> we were on, we were at Logan Airport getting ready to fly over here. And we got texts on our phone, a mass text saying, gentlemen, congratulations, you have a gold single. And I looked at him and I went, holy shit, wouldn't it be amazing if it goes platinum? He goes, dude, it's amazing that it even went gold. It's never going to happen. Well, check it out. It's going to be almost double platinum at this point, yeah. which is crazy because it went it went platinum quicker than it went gold. So it's just been, and now the song's been in commercials and and TV shows and and, and on The Simpsons and you know it's 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 mind boggling. It's it's crazy and uh, and it definitely brought us to it brought us to the radar of so on the radar of so many other people. But the thing is, you can't just you know I mean we're not a hit band. You know what I mean? We're not. You and know, you're not chasing another not, one like that, chasing, of course. And yeah. we're not chasing that. So I think, you know, okay, so we we were able to get the attention of people. But then I think it's our live shows and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and our tenacity and hard work and commitment to touring and coming to every, you know, town, village and city to play our music for you that kept us in that, you know, kept us growing. You know, I think because... People were like, well, I like this song. I'm going to go check this band out. And then they're like, Jesus, that's a fucking spectacle, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because because we always say it's not about what we do on stage, but it's about the whole thing. It's about the audience and what happens with the audience and us together. And that's that experience, I think. And, and you know, and obviously you've seen us, but, you know, I think the people that you go, well, I've never seen you guys. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if we should even do this interview then because, you know, you really... You really it's get such it. a you massive listen, part of it, isn't well, it? Well, you can listen to us all you want to, but until you've seen us live, you're not really getting an honest thing. And I'd say the same thing about Sick of It All. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they're a great band and they make great records, but until you've actually seen the veracity that is Sick of It All live, holy shit. You know what I mean? Or Agnostic Front. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa. You know what I mean? That's, that's a whole different animal. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's fucking punk rock. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you a Boston guy, strictly speaking? I am a New England guy, strictly right. speaking. I lived in I lived in uh, I lived in Cambridge when I was a kid. My sister was born in Boston. My father's first teaching job was in East Boston during the busing riots. Um, he was. Uh, his his uh, he taught in an all African American Hispanic school. He was the only white teacher, and it was his first wow. teaching job. Um, he's got some stories about that. Let me tell you. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, and and I lived in Massachusetts, and I have, I have family in Massachusetts, and 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 New England is a tiny little place. And if you wanted to see any national act, and when I say national punk act. Um, if you wanted to join the other 300 that were going to see Black Flag or the Circle Jerks or Suicidal Tendencies or Minor Threat or the Misfits or whoever, you had to go to Boston. So there was a guy in Portland, Maine, who used to make flyers, fake flyers all the time and put them up. Black Flag tonight at Geno's and shitheads would show up. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could fit like 200 people in Geno's and Black Flag isn't coming. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I saw the flyer. You know, but, uh, but no, you had to go to Boston. So I, I was in Boston. So all you're the time. a Boston boy. Yeah, I, I would consider myself like I've been, I got jumped in Boston three times when I was a kid. I got beat up three different occasions um, on the street for being a punk rocker in Boston. Um, I can remember seeing Agnostic Front in 1984 at the YMCA. The McDonald's massacre had just happened, and you probably don't know what that is, but it was the they first. There was only the Texas Tower at that point in America as far as mass shootings went. Right. So this guy went into a McDonald's with a gym bag full of guns. He pulled it out and started shooting people. He shot like, I think it was something like 43 or, or, or so people he killed in the McDonald's. And, um, and, uh, and obviously that's a horrible thing, but to give you an idea about punk rock back then, I'm walking into, uh, it was, a, it was in the basement of a YMCA in Boston. So I'm walking up the steps to the YMCA to go to the show. And there's a kid sitting on the steps and he's got a McDonald's uniform on and he's, he's burned with, with a cigar, fake bullet holes and put blood all over them and he's wearing like the burger hat and he's got a name tag and he's got bullet holes here and here and I'm just like 
too too soon maybe you know what I mean like but that was punk rock I was like oh he's got a McDonald's uniform on with like bullet holes and shit that's crazy that was punk rock but I remember the flyer was the flyer read three dollars it was it was Agnostic Front Void from DC Murphy's Law from New York City um, a, a bunch of other bands I can't even remember all the bands um, and I remember it said three dollars skinheads were free and I came in with my buddy Keith, who was skin, and I was and I was I was rocking my dad's GI boots, and I used to wear the big, you know, American skinhead suspenders. They were yeah, big, yeah. like like fireman suspenders, you know. And I had a I had a little mohawk, and I had the kerchief biker style over it, so it looked bald, like I looked bald, right? And I go, and I'm like, this is great. This is gonna be a free show, you know. I mean, so I I, I like walked in. He's like, yeah, go on in, guys, because you know Keith was, you know. Keith was all skinned down, and all of a sudden I feel this zip, and I, he's like three dollars, kid, and I'm like, I mean, now wouldn't be a problem, right? You know what I mean? But that's, that this isn't on purpose. <laughs> so I, so I, 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 I literally, I literally just go, you know, you cop up the three bucks. You know what I mean? Three bucks back in 1984. That was a lot of that was a lot of bread, man. What are you talking uh, about? Like a week's wage, a month's wage? What's that? Uh, three dollars back then was you know that was that like was a, you know I had, to, I had to steal that out of my mom's pocket right, right, right. like fifty cents at a time yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean yeah. because I, it off I was like I was you know I was 15, 15, 16 years old at the time you know what I mean I was a kid you know it was fucking nineteen eighty four but I just remember they opened with victim in pain um, the hall was the the hall was completely dark except for the light on the stage there were no stage lights it was just like somebody turned on a you know a, a room light and they came out they played first which I thought was weird. And they opened with Victim in Pain. And, um, and and I just remember I was at the back wall and the next thing I was right at the front. And me and my friend Keith were the only ones dancing because those are the days of the, the, there was a beef between Boston and New York. So all these people were just, all the Boston kids were just standing there. You know, they weren't going to get into it, even though everybody wanted to get into it because it was so good. And I remember the drummer at the time went up and grabbed the mic and was like, was like, yo, you know, we just drove eight hours up here, you know, where you guys aren't going to dance. Like, what's up with that? But I, but, but before that even happened, I remember Roger, you know, they, they opened up and Rob Kabula, you know what I mean? And then, and, and, and Vinny, and then all of a sudden, and there was just the mic and the mic stand and all of a sudden from the side comes this guy and he runs out and he, he's got this ratty t-shirt on and he rips it off and he's got just just jailhouse you know a crucified with a gas mask on but there was none of that elio so there was no other color it was just black and and i was just like whoa and he tore his shirt off and then he tore his kerchief her kerchief off and he had a mohawk and i'm like i bet he didn't pay three dollars <laughs> and uh, and um and they were they just blew they blew my doors off and i remember the next day because i stayed at keith's sister's house in boston that night we went to newbury comics and i bought the gatefold of uh, victim in pain, right? Um, and that was like one of the prizes in my in my record in my record collection until my buddy Andy Smith took it and borrowed it and then ran away from home and I never saw it again. But in 1998, when we supported Agnostic Front on the Unity tour, the first one, um, Rob Kabula gave me another one signed from Rob Kabula to me, and 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 an original one with gatefold and everything. And so I have it again, and uh, Agnostic Front in my opinion, are as legendary, sick of it all. And, uh, and there wouldn't be American hardcore without bands like the Cro-Mags, sick of it all, and Agnostic Front, for sure. Tell me about Vinny. He's a friend of yours, right? Vinny is my uncle, Uncle Vinny, man. Just yeah. tell me about your thoughts on him as a performer and as a musician and as a figure within the scene. Vin Vinny's stigma is, 
in my opinion, one of the most entertaining, interesting people you could ever meet. I mean, he's, he's, there's many levels to Vinny, you know what I mean? He is, he's, you know, he's a, he's, first of all, he's a musician and he's, he's a skin and he's, you know, he's like one of the original Lower East Side crew guys, you know what I mean? And he is, but he is one of the most, um, he's one of the most thoughtful, generous, polite, um, people you'll ever meet. You know what I mean? And that's if you don't know him. And then, and then you get to know him. He's got more heart and soul. And um, I've got so much love for him. I, I mean, I could go on and on about Vinny. Um, I, I uh, you know, he has always been my friend. He will always be my friend. I call him every day on the anniversary of Rick Weimert, the rhythm guitarist from the Bruisers death date, um, because Ricky was a friend of, of, of Vinny's as well. And he'll either call me or I'll call him. Uh, it's, it's flag day, June, flag, June 14th, flag day. I get a call. Ah, you know why I'm calling you, right, kid? It's Vinny. And uh, I mean, when he still drank, I remember, because he doesn't drink no more, but, but, but he, would, he, would, uh, he would, would get on the bus, and we'd be on the bus, and, and he'd have this drinking song. And, uh, and uh, he would, he would, he would he'd, be, he'd come down, and you'd see him, and he'd be like, oh, it's going to be one of these nights. You can see Vinny's been drinking, and he's smiling. <laughs> and he'd be like, all right, let's do this song. Let's do this song. He goes, ah, let's do Kenny. He's drink, 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 and be merry. My friends, they just drink beer and wine. But me, I love my pal, Kenny. Oh, all I can do is just drink, 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 drink. And then we do, you know, the next guy. And then they came to me and he <laughs> yeah. was like, I like, let's do Al. Oh, wait, Allie. Yeah, we can't do Al. Sorry, Al. We can't do Al. <laughs> let's do Maddie. And then we did Matt, you know. But, but uh, I mean, so there's that Vinny. And then there's the, then there's the guy who has been around in hardcore for so long and has been a soldier for this music for so long. And, you know, he's one of these guys that's like, why hasn't somebody ghost written a book for this guy? Because he needs one. You know, I know Roger's coming out with a book soon and he definitely is somebody who's, who needs to have a book as well because they have important stories to be told. But uh, Vinny's book, has got to be written. There's got to be somebody who's got to get, got to get that story because he's amazing. But what's even more amazing is when I saw him recently, he looks younger every time I see him. Now I'm like, what's going on with you? Is that because he's quit the drinking? You think it's I, I don't the healthy know, lifestyle I don't, is agreeing with him? I don't know what it is, but whatever <laughs> well, the he's doing, is. I want some <laughs> because he looks fantastic and he is just. I don't, I don't know. I could, I could just go on and on about it. like I could, I could go on vacation with Vinny. You know what I mean? I yeah, could, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's just he's. He's just, uh, like, he's just amazing. He's amazing. You know Is Bruce I mean? Springsteen someone who you sort of looked up to as a songwriter growing up? Were you into I, kind of the politicized folk rock I sort was, of movement? You know, I'm, you know, I'm old school punk rock, man. You know what I mean? I grew up, I grew up, I mean, Bruce Springsteen always had my respect because he was somebody who used his fame to do good with it. Yeah. So I always had respect for him. But I wasn't, I wasn't, um... You know, I wasn't like, 
that wasn't on my radar. I listened to hardcore. I listened to punk. You know what I mean? That wasn't punk. I was, you know what I mean? And like, you know, when my local, when my local record store had the big cutout of his back shot with his ass and the jeans and stuff, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, here yeah, we go. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, and I, and you know, if you know anything about him, he hates that era. It's like, you know, the Beastie Boys had licensed to ill. They, they're ashamed of that, you know, because they didn't. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they, that's not what they meant. Yeah. Um, and it was it was filtered it was filtered wrong. But um, but I nothing but respect for Bruce. And um, you know, there's definitely Tim Brennan is probably the the our lead guitarist is the is the biggest Bruce Springsteen head in the band, and he can tell you pretty much everything about Bruce and and his music and stuff. I'm, you know, I I like his music. I think he's an amazing performer. I am blown away by the fact that he likes our band. I. He's, how many songs has he appeared on? Was it just the charity single, or was he on one on Going was, Out on was, Style was as well? Going Out on Style, he was on Pegging My Heart. Right, right, and, wicked. Um, and it was, and and but then he came to Boston on St. Patrick's Day, and and um, performed with us. And I did, and we do a cover of Badlands, and um, so, and I sing it, and so it was he and I duetting together, and so we're doing sound check and they're like well bruce is supposed to come and uh so we can do the song and we're like so you know get ready there'll be some bodyguards and blah 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 door opens it's bruce and his son and he's got his guitar no fanfare nothing walks right up to the stage like that's a real dude right there you know what i mean this guy's a megastar yeah man. this guy is a, this guy's a statesman and he's 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 just a down-to-earth guy so he gets on stage and the first thing he says is like I'm going to need the lyrics, guys. <laughs> it's been like, a while. We're like, no, it's not that. It's just that he, well, he has these, uh, he he has such a huge um, catalog. Yeah. So he has these uh, teleprompters that that are on stage with all the lyrics, but they're, they're, they're the high-end ones, so you can't, it looks like it's, it's, it's transparent, so you can't even see it. It doesn't block you at all. But on the other side, they can see the lyrics. He never uses them, but he says, here's the thing. If it's not there... I'll fuck it up. And so um, so we got the lyrics for Badlands and we had to write them out. We didn't have the fancy teleprompter. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. had to write them out in big, on big sheets of paper and we put them down in front of him and then we sound checked it. And, um, you know, I, before I was like, um, you know, I'm like, I'm like, Bruce, I'm Mr. Springsteen. You know, we, we'd met him in 2008 already and this is so, you know, but I'm still kind of, I'm not like, you know, we're not like, I'm, I'm not really on a first name basis with the guy, I don't think yet, but the, Bruce uh, and he's like, yeah. Al. I'm like, uh, did you want to start it? Do you want me to start it? How do you want to do it? He goes, hey, why don't you take the first verse and I'll do the second, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll see what happens after that. And we did it. And I remember after we did it, um, you know, because they had to do Peg of My Heart, and we did Shipping together as well. But you know, he walked by me. He was putting his guitar away, and he just says, "Man, Al, you sing the hell out of Badlands." And I was like, you know, because I, 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 I'm, I'm very self-deprecating. I'm always like, uh, I don't like to see video of myself. I don't like to usually don't like to hear myself. So I'm, you know what I mean. So to get a compliment like that from someone like Bruce Springsteen was like, I was like, whoa. And then you know, all the pictures that came out the next day in the paper were of Ken and, and, and Bruce on stage singing Peg of My Heart. And I'm like, Whoa. Oh man. And then, <laughs> but then Rolling Stone came out and it was a picture of me and Bruce singing Badlands together. And I was like, it's a Rolling Stone. And I was like, you know, fanboy all of a sudden, you know, not fanboy like, but just like, 
you know, I just couldn't believe it. There I am, me, you know, with this freaking megastar, you know, in Rolling Stone singing this, you know, and it's funny, the... The, the Turkish coffee shop that I go to in my hometown of Portsmouth, Yelchin, the owner cut it out of Rolling Stone and he, he, he put it up on, um, he just ta- literally taped it up on the wall of his coffee shop and he busts my balls, man. He literally, <laughs> he's like, he calls it Drop, Drop Murphy's Kick. He's like, well, how is Drop Murphy's kick? And but that's how he goes. And people are like, Dad, and his kids all work. They're like, Dad, is Drop Kick Murphy's? He's like, I like it my way. Yeah, um, but, I like uh, it my way. You know what I mean? It's like it's like warlord. stuff like that is obviously what keeps you grounded, right? Yeah, yeah. And but 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 yeah. I mean, but it it it's funny because you know people will people will people will come in and be like, you know, minding their own business, and I'll be just getting my coffee, and they'll go, and he'll go. Have you heard of Drop Murphy's Kick? I mean, <laughs> Drop Kick Murphy's. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of them. They're like, there is the singer. And I'm like, oh, Yeltsin, why are you blowing up my spot? You know what I mean? Like, I just want to have my coffee. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah. right? we just make music. You don't want to be, you don't never expect <laughs> to be recognized. But then, he, of course, he points out the Rolling Stone picture. And it's it's funny, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been an amazing, it's been an amazing fucking journey so far, man. And, and I can't, you know, I can't believe we're here 20 years now. I can't believe I can use the word career in, you know, with, with, with what we're doing. It's crazy. It's, um, yeah, it's been amazing. Right on. Yeah. Well, um, you know, long may your career continue with Thank the you. band. Thank you very um, much. Congratulations on a great record. Thank you um, so much. And I can't wait to see you bring it live. Thanks, man. Yeah, we can. Many dates, I'm sure, yeah, in the new year. Um, Definitely. Thanks Definitely. for your time, Al. Thanks, great. All right, cheers. Right on. I've seen a lot of sights and traveled many miles. Shake a thousand hands and seen my share of smiles. I've caused some great concern and told one too many lies. And now I see the world through these subtle jaded eyes. So what if I threw a party and all my friends are there? Acquaintances, relatives, the girls who never care. You'll have a horse around hooligans in a big light out the door. Stop my cyber sister bar. She's wells and Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.